0: Good morning, Oakwood. No Am I on? Okay. Hey, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to our praise team today because you can go to a lot of places, maybe you pay a lot of money for a concert, and not be led to the throne of God anymore. more. <laughs> you. <laughs> Okay. We can deal with this, okay? All right. What about now? <laughs> Thank you, Rusty. We are blessed with a with a fantastic praise team and we are led in genuine authentic praise each and every moment. Hey, I just want to know, can I get those last minute and a half l- That you know, I get allotted to preach. Can I get that, you know, given back to me since we had a microphone problem? Is that that you know? Last week I preached really short, but I promise to make up for it this week. Okay, promise. We've got a lot of people watching online today, as you could expect. People traveling, and uh, we're glad to have you. If you're watching online today, we want to send a shout out to you. Well, we officially have put a wrap on 2021, right? What a year that has been. I heard on the news this week that many people said that 2021 was the worst year of their life. Hmm. Well, I kind of made my own list of things that we've lived through in 2021. We lived through the COVID pandemic, then the delta strain and now we've got the the Omicron strain and I don't know what the next one will be but we've lived through that. Record-breaking cold. Do you remember the early part of this year when we had you think it's cold now? It really was cold then. You needed your coat. There was a power grid failure in, in Texas. Do you remember when Texas kind of blacked out and now they're blaming that on a lot of the supply stuff? Well, we had the whole GameStop and Bitcoin meltdown. And before last year, before that happened, I had never even heard of GameStop. I thought that that was a video game store or something. Then we, we had kind of a sad thing. We had the cancellation of Dr. Seuss, Aunt Jemima pancakes, Mr. Potato Head, Eskimo pies, all canceled, had to be renamed. The 2020 Olympics were held in July of 2021. That makes sense, doesn't it, the 2020 Olympics in 21? And then for six glorious hours, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those went silent. You remember that? And the whole country freaked out that, oh my gosh, we can't talk to anybody. <laughs> then we've got chip shortages on cars. You couldn't get a new car built, or maybe your car was waiting on parts. What about the whole Christmas supply chain and all the ships off of the West Coast waiting to be unloaded and couldn't get trucks and truck drivers and things? But, you know, the most important thing that happened in 2021 happened to me. And actually is what it didn't happen, because for the first year in a a long time, I did not have to make a trip to the ER the entire year. (laughs) So I celebrate that. So... And I want to congratulate you and that are here today. You have perfect attendance. If you're watching online, we're going to give you an exemption today because it's so cold and there was ice and snow. You also have perfect attendance for church this year. So congratulations. I hope you keep that going throughout the whole year. There are a lot of organizations that have a Hall of Fame. Most professional sports, baseball. Uh, football, basketball, rodeo. Even the state of Oklahoma has their own Hall of Fame. People that made it into the Hall of Fame because they did extraordinary things, great accomplishments. But did you know that God has his own Hall of Fame of faith? And it's found in Hebrews chapter 11. And in that Hall of Fame of faith there, you see some great names. Noah, Joseph, Abraham, David, Gideon, Samson, and right in the middle of that hall of fame of men who did extraordinary great things of faith is a lady. In um, fact, if you open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, we're going to see this lady by the name of Rahab. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Right in the middle of that list is the name of a prostitute. Is that, is that right? How in the world, you're asking, did a, a prostitute find their way into God's Hall of Fame of Faith? It's one of the most incredible stories in the Bible, and it's a story I think that we can, can learn a lot from. Everyone wants to live in the promised land, and they want to enjoy the promised life and the blessed life of God... And I think if we want to live that way, we need to follow and learn from Rahab's example. So her story is found in Joshua chapter 2. We're going to begin with verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Chittim to go look into the land and said, especially Jericho, so that they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there okay you might remember the the story you learned when you were in grade school 12 men went to spy on canaan 10 were bad two were good do you remember that there were two good spies that went joshua and caleb joshua now has become the leader after moses but he secretly sent two additional spies many people believe caleb was one of them because he came back with a good report They're not named, but they ended up at the house of a prostitute. Now, I want to stop for a minute right there. And why did these two men of God going to explore the promised land end up in the house of a prostitute? Now, I know what you ladies are thinking. Yeah, I know why they ended up there. How would you like to have come home after that trip? Honey, how was your trip? Oh, it was good. We met this really sweet lady. Yeah, tell me about it. She even invited us into her house, and we stayed there in her house. Oh, really? Yeah, she took really good care of her. Well, tell me about this. Well, she was a prostitute, but she was really, really nice. (laughs) How would you like uh, to go explain that one to your wives, guys? You know, do you think that... Most of the the wives in this room probably said, "Why don 't you just go back and stay with that lady? If you think she was so great, just go stay with her." Well, let me kind of tell you in the culture at this time, brothels and hotels were kind of almost one and the same. so the concept of a family friendly hotel really didn't exist till sometime later. So most travelers either stayed with relatives or friends, but when people visited a city in which they didn't know anyone, they had very, very few options for lodging. And so a lot of times they would end up in one of these brothel slash hotels where they could spend the night. And many times these prostitutes actually lived there in those places. And this particular prostitute, Rahab, her house, the place where she stayed, was right on the city wall. So, whether or not anything, you know, was going on there, they really didn't have a choice. They didn't know anyone. They didn't have any relatives, no friends there. They kind of wanted to come in and be, you know, kind of under the radar. So, they. Where else are you going to stay? The house of a prostitute. Let's continue on in Joshua chapter 2. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy on the whole land. But the woman who had taken the two men and hid them, she said, Yes, the men came But I didn't know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may be able to catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stocks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. Now I know what you're thinking. This lady made it into the Hall of Fame of Faith. One, she's a prostitute now we see she's a liar isn't lying a sin how would god use her in a great way after she's lied this way how could that be part of god's plan that doesn't make sense how would he allow her into the hall of fame of faith well here's the truth of the situation rahab lied and we know lying is wrong it's one of the ten commandments isn't it thou shalt not lie so it's a sin Rahab found herself in a desperate situation in which she was going to have to lie to protect these men. She lied to protect these good, godly men from getting killed by bad men. So she didn't do it out of the sake of convenience. She didn't do anything, to lie for the sake of benefiting herself. She lied for the sake of saving these two Jewish men, these two righteous men. So there is a difference. Now I want you to understand this passage isn't in the Bible and it can't be any way an endorsement of lying, okay? Like you lie and God will be proud of you and put you in his hall of fame of faith. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I do want you to see that we learn something from the heart of God here and how he truly feels about his plan in desperate situations, I believe Rahab did what probably every one of us would have done if we were living under Nazi-controlled Germany in 1940. Do you remember many of the German people hid Israelite Jewish people in their homes or maybe in their next door or in their attic or something? And all of a sudden, the Nazis knock on your door. Uh, we understand that you have some uh, Jewish people hiding in your house. Is this true? If you do, bring them on out what would you do? Oh, yeah, they're up in the attic, go get them. And they would have been sent off to be killed, executed. Or would you try to protect them? I think most of us, knowing the heart of God, would try to protect the life of those people. So this isn't an endorsement from God to lie. So it's not like you walk into a buffet theater and you tell them that your 12-year-old is only 10, so you get the cheaper child rate or get into the movie under the child rate when your kid is we're not talking about that we're talking about they lied to protect the lives of these two men let's continue on verse seven so the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that lead to the fords of jordan and as soon as the pursuers had gone out the gate was shut Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting with fear because of you. I want to stop right here for a few moments. There are three observations that I want to make about Rahab. And none of them have to do with her occupation, okay? but about her life and her actions. And I think there are three ways that this story of Rahab kind of parallels so many people in the church today. Okay, The first one, it is possible to live in the promised land without living the promised life. Okay, So the city of Jericho in which Rahab lived was the promised land. So she was already living in the promised land, but she was not living the blessed life or the, the life of promise at that point. She was where the land was flowing with milk and honey. But she wasn't experiencing the promises. In fact, she was far from it. She had the most degrading occupation a woman could have. But you know, Rahab wasn't the only one. Every one of those people in Jericho, and in fact, the land of Canaan there, were all living in the promised land, but they were not living the promised life. Listen to what Rahab told these these men. We'll continue on in verse 10. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on earth, below. Rahab and all these people of Jericho were living in the promised land, but they were not living the promised life. Why? Because they were under the leadership of the wrong king. They were serving the wrong king. And I see this today. People live in the promised land and they want to enjoy the promises of God, but they are serving the wrong king. You understand what I'm saying? Many people think, well, I need a change of scenery, I need a new job, a new house, a new church, a new pastor a new wife, a new this, a new that. There's something wrong with my surroundings. I want you to know something. It's not your surroundings, it's you. Rahab didn't need to move to a new city, okay? Because she was already there in the promised land. What she needed was new leadership, a new kingdom. The same is true for many of us. We don't need a change of scenery. What we need is new leadership in our life. We need to serve a new king. What I'm talking about is you need to surrender your life to control of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, friends, if you're a Christian today, I want to talk to you for just a moment. Many Christians are living inside the promised land but are not living the promised life, the blessed life. Because they have not fully surrendered their heart and life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Oh, maybe you're in church every Sunday. Maybe you serve on a team. But you've fully not surrendered your heart and life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you find yourself in that same position that Rahab was in. But the good news that I want to share with you today is that you don't have to stay there. Okay, Your life can change when you are ready to make that change, when you are ready to come under new leadership. And I'm not just talking about new management here. I'm talking about new ownership. Second observation I see here from the life of Rahab, it's an, it is possible to undo a life of sin with a single act of faith. Read with me in verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If we don't tell you what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by the rope through the window, for the house she lived was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return, and then go your way. You see, Rahab was a prostitute. She had lived a a life of sin, and it was a degrading life. But while she was living that degrading life, she heard the stories about what God had done, about how he had dried up the Red Sea and allowed them to cross over. She had heard the stories about how God had delivered them out of Egypt and how he had provided for them all along the way with manna and quail and protected them. When they needed water, they got water. He took care of them every step of the way, and they had heard these stories, and now all of a sudden, they're on the bank of the Jordan River over here, ready to come into this country, and she knew who was giving them their power. Something inside her caused her to realize that this God was different than all the other gods that they served in that pagan country. This was the one true God, and this was the God that she wanted to serve, and she had to take a bold step of faith she protected those spies, and as a result, her life was saved. Not just her life, but her family, too. Her mom and dad, brothers and sisters. Everybody that was a part of her family were saved because of her act of faith. If you go back to the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews eleven thirty-one, 31, it says, by faith. It wasn't just by some gracious act by these two men. It was by her faith it saved her. And do you know friends today it's still faith that is saving people. That's right. Faith in God still saves people. So you see what happened here an entire life of changed by one single act of faith. And it's the same thing that happens today. Not just every Sunday but every day of the year. People's lives that are full of sin and shame are changed by one single act of faith. And they experience a transforming power in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. All because of that act of faith. So what does it mean to make an act of faith? An act of faith is just what it implies. It is a belief that leads to action. It's a belief that leads to action. James chapter 2, verse 26 says, Faith without works is dead. Rahab's faith led her to action. It wasn't just a belief, but that belief led her to do something. What did she do? Well, we see that her faith required risk. I want to tell you today, faith requires risk. You see, Rahab put her life on the line for the sake of these strangers, these spies, that she did not know, had no relationship established with them, but she knew that they belonged to God and that God was with them. And so she was willing to risk her, her own life. That's what her faith did. It required risk. So your act of faith today might involve risk too. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, be prepared to be laughed at, to be mocked, to be made fun of, to be ridiculed, all because of your faith in God. We are seeing more and more of our, our, our rights and, and our privileges as Christians being stripped away. It requires great faith to follow Jesus today. We also see in her life that faith requires choosing sides. When these men, these king's men arrived at her door, were asking, where are these spies? Where are these men at? She was forced with a choice. She could have said, well, they're, they're upstairs under the, the flask. Just quietly go up there and you can get them. She was faced with, with a choice. Who am I going to be loyal to? What colors am I going to wear? To whom am I going to be loyal to? We saw that just the other day here in Oklahoma. Um, one coach cha- changed a shade of red for another shade of red, didn't we? Whose colors are you going to wear? Who are you going to be loyal to? Found out there wasn't that much loyalty, was there? We also see that her faith requires trust. When Rahab saved the life of the spy, she, all she had to go on was the spy's word that her and her family would be saved. She didn't have a written contract at all that says, you know, right here, I've got a written contract that you're gonna take care of me. No, all she had was their word. That's it. It required her to trust what they said. When you take an act of faith, it requires trust. Anything you do in life that, that you trust requires faith. If you decide to repel off a mountain, you have a certain amount of trust that you believe that rope is going to hold you. When you get an airplane to fly, you have a certain amount of trust that you believe that this aircraft is not going to break down and crash. You have a certain amount of trust in that pilot that he's going to get you to where you need to go. You see, there are things in life that cause great risk. Rahab took great risk, and it required her to trust. You see, when you take a step of faith, you have to put your trust in God that He's going to come through to you. Let's read in verse 17. We're going to see the last thing that faith requires you to identify yourself. Now, the men said to her, Take this oath and make us swear. Swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter this land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which we have let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. And as for all that are in this house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But I tell you what we are doing, we will release. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from this oath you made us swear. This scarlet ribbon was the only way that she had to identify herself to this invading army. These two spies said, here, this is what's going to keep you from being killed. Long as your family is in this house. Now, if they go out in the house and in the street or whatever, they're on their own. But if they're in this house with this scarlet thread hanging from the window, they will be saved. And if something happens to you, it's our fault. Your blood will be on our hands it was Rahab's way of saying I'm one of you guys now I'm part of you guys listen friends no matter what kind of a mess you've made in your life no matter how deeply you've been involved in a world of sin no matter what kind of a lifestyle that you live maybe for for Decades, that single act of faith in Jesus Christ can change all that. I want you to notice one more thing about Rahab's story. It's possible that your life will change the world. Read with me verse 21, Joshua 2. Agreed, she said, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now, she's mentioned a few chapters later when Joshua conquered the city of Jericho. But saving the lives of these Hebrews, these Jewish people, dramatically changed her life. She started over, she got married, she had a family. Now, that's really not the outcome that you'd expect from a prostitute, is it? But Rahab ended up in the hall of fame of faith from God. And she became a new person through the grace of God. Listen to this. She had a son named Boaz, who had a son named Obed, who had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David. That same David who killed Goliath went on to become king, who wrote the majority of the the psalms. A man after God's own heart. You see, she was David's great-grandmother. She was in a royal lineage. So she went from being a prostitute to the matriarch of a king. And several generations after David, a young woman by the name of Mary became pregnant and gave birth to a son by the name of Jesus. Are you starting to see this connection here? How one life changed the entire world? King David wouldn't have been King David without Rahab. Solomon wouldn't have been Solomon without Rahab. Joseph wouldn't have been Joseph without Rahab. And her participation led directly to the greatest event in the human race the birth of jesus christ and that was her bloodline i want you to understand something today you have that same potential not just through your bloodline but through your actions as well you see when this story began rahab was living a life of sin she was leading a a, a very degrading profession And her life was moving in one direction, and it wasn't good. She was living in the promised land, but not living the promised life. She didn't have any of the benefits of the promises of God. But one day, Rahab's life changed for the better, and forever this world has changed. One act of faith undid a lifetime of sin and created for her a new life and a promise of God and created a new destiny for all of us. I want to encourage you today to take that same act of of faith, that same step of faith that Rahab took. I don't believe that you're here by accident today on January the 2nd, 2022, on a bitterly cold day with snow and ice on here. I don't believe that it's just by accident that you decided, well, I'd get up and go to church. I believe you're here because God wants you to hear the story of Rahab to encourage your faith. And maybe you're one of these people that have been sitting in church for a long time and you've never surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ as the King. Today is the day to do that. Not under new management, but new ownership. One act of faith can change your life, not just here on this earth, but for all of eternity.